I think all right-thinking people in this country are sick and tired of being told that ordinary decent people are fed up in this country with being sick and tired. Yeah, yeah. I am certainly not. And I'm sick and tired of being told that I am. Episode 105. The moon with the rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes, 30 minutes. Every time Catherine revved up the microwave, I'd piss my pants and forget who I was for a half hour or so. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. I'll be there in 10. Is this a five-minute argument or a full half hour? You have 30 minutes to move your car. Your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to A Half Hour Wasted. We're like a weak Superman. And now, here are your hosts, Brad Milo and Frank A. Rincon. So they bring this thing out, and it is... I have seen baboon butts that look more graceful than this thing. And I go, what is that thing? It is horrible looking. It was pink, had chocolate chips on it, and and it was crooked, and it had uh, Hershey Kisses still with foil on it. Come it again? just Yeah. And um, the girl turns around and says, it's a birthday cake, and I made it. Come again? It was for uh, Little Nancy's birthday. For those who don't know, Little Nancy let me the... Uh, let me the VHS copy of uh, of the Indiana Jones um, saga when we did the Indiana Jones show, and she um, and it was her birthday, and so someone just sent this horribly ugly cake, and I just put my foot in my mouth. Should put the cake in your mouth. Uh, I felt so bad. Oh, and there was a hunk of ice cream in the middle of it. It was it was very say, say, that, say that again, Bill. There was a hunk of ice no, cream no. in the middle. Should have put your should have huh? put, put the cake in your mouth. Say hey, that again. Should have put the cake in your mouth. <laughs> Be a lot tastier. <laughs> hey, uh, welcome to a half hour wasted. I'm Frank. I'm Brad. Hello, everybody. And what's your name? I am your humble host, uh, Bill. I have to. Uh, I have to kind of fall adjust the there. open. Uh, really? Yeah, I need to add. You know, somebody saying, "And Bill McGonnell, like last ah, episode yes. or whatever, we had uh, Heather say it." I oh, need that's to, right. I need Surprise. To make it permanent. Very, very big surprise there. Much appreciated. Make it permanent. So I'd like to get uh, Michael Palin saying it. Um, and, and, and on the phone, Bill and on the phone, we have a very special guest, Stephen. Ah, uh, yes, just another fanboy podcast. Steve Even. Steve Even. Steve Even. Steve Even. Steve Even. There, Stephen. Yes, I am. Okay, <laughs> oh, what's the deal with wow. the extra vowel in your name? Uh, you know, I'm not sure. It was I've, named after a friend of my dad's. I don't know why he spelled his name that way, but that's why I spell my name that way. So it's it literally, it really is spelled that way? Yeah. I thought maybe you just had a typo when you were entering your forum name. I thought you were Nordic. No. <laughs> maybe no. that was a pun. No. So when, like, an anagram? When, when, when you, you know, given, like, they say, what's your name? You say, it's Steven with three E's, and they look mm-hmm. at you like you're an idiot. Yeah, pretty much. And I got to ask, so which which are the three E's like spread out, or is it two E's at first, S-T-E-E-E-V-E-N. one E in the back, or is it one E first and two E's in the back? And two in the first syllable. Stinging. Oh, I know. I know, because Steve and I are, yeah, we're old friends. But oh, yeah? Uh, um, yeah, yeah, most people don't know that. But, Does uh, he know about that tattoo? I don't think he knows uh, about he it. He gave me that tattoo, really? sir. Really? Yeah, didn't charge me for it. 
Well, which is what happens. One night in Bangkok. I mean, it was it was, <laughs> it was it was his fault in the first place. So it was the least he could do, mm. you know, would be to hook me up with the full color tattoo. Okay, well, it takes up my entire back. <laughs> <laughs> Never. Uh, all right, so why is Steven here? Yeah, we're going to do all Python. This is a very Monty silly show. Python. First, before we go any further, Ooh. discount comic book service. We love them, and they sponsor us. <laughs> and uh, check out the Legion of Dudes every Thursday where they uh, cover your favorite graphic novels, and they're covering Watchmen right now. And just remember, Thursdays for Legion of Dudes and 40% off their podcast. That's right. Awesome. Only at InStock. Dudes.org. <laughs> so, all Python. We're going to have a lot of fun here. Uh, Stephen, one reason why we brought you here is um, because you have a fan site devoted to it. Why don't you tell us first about your podcast and then lead into Yay. your Python site? This is where we need the old ladies clapping. <laughs> Yay. Well, the the podcast I do is called Just Another Fanboy. You can find that at justanotherfanboy.com. Uh, it's just me and two friends of mine, Craig and Michael, and we just uh, we just talk about comics and pretty much anything else that uh, makes us happy. Very nice. Excellent. Then how about Python Land? Python Land uh, <clears throat> is a Monty Python fan site. Uh, I actually <clears throat> first put that up, I think, in 2001. I used to frequent it back then, man. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I found it somehow, and I, I used to go to it on occasion. Yeah, back then there was there was a lot to it. There's there's not much to it right now because uh, last year sometime we had to, I had to take it down because I couldn't afford to make the monthly payments. Um, but I, I kept the URL and just recently uh, was able to put it back up there thanks to uh, the kindness of a friend. Thank you, Umar, for that. Umar, uh, sweet. But uh, says so oil money then. That's what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Is that the fixer? Yes, to fix for 3000 No way! Yeah, Way to go! His name's Umar. And, uh, well, I guess we should pimp him since he pimped you. Uh, he does... Um, oh, I can't remember the name What's of What's the name of his podcast? It's... The Fixer's Hideout. The Fixer's Hideout, that's right. Cool. That's very cool of him. Well, okay, so Python Land at pythonland.com. Uh, we're going to talk about favorite skits, play a lot of skits here about Monty Python and stuff, but we wanted to give just a brief primer about who Python a what? is. Primer? A primer? Primer! A primer. Primer, 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 for Primer. Be, because yeah, there's a lot of people there who, um, you know, they, they may have never heard of Python, and hopefully we can expose them to that. Uh, it's made up of several gentlemen. Uh, they're all English. Grant Chapman, who's oh, passed away. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. One's American. Uh, John Cleese, Terry Gilliam, Eric Idle, Terry Jones, and Michael Primer. Primer. The lady, the Merriam-Webster lady said. Primer. I told you Primer. It's a very proper British word. Really, I'm. I am, oh, you know what? It even says primer, uh-huh. chiefly British. And then the secondary chiefly pronunciation British, yes. is primer. Yes. Color well, me depends. impressed. Yes. Are we, are we speaking of something you learn things from or something you uh, you a paint layer you lay down before the real color? Actually, Did you, how do you pronounce it? Actually, primer. Okay. It's a, the first, I prefer. De- first definition is a small book for teaching children to read. Yes. Uh, number two is a small introductory book on a subject. Uh-huh. Number three is a short informative piece of writing and number four would be a light gray coat of paint nothing about paint in it well there should be (laughs) it's not my fault there's not Hmm. frankly i'm just making a cross there's actually two there's two oh look 
there's two I entries say, for primer. One has a yeah, a one that, uh-huh. postscript, and I'm talking about. the other one has a two postscript. Listen, here's Ooh. here's the second one. Primer. There you uh, go. Boo. A device for priming. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, that's a hard to argue with now, isn't it? Whose presence is required for formation of another molecule? Oh, you know that? Okay. Wow. I did All not right. know that. So when you make a sandwich, the mustard uh-huh. would be a primer for the uh, uh, for the turkey. That's um, that's. Yeah, kind of weak, but yeah. uh, very yeah. weak. I, I will yeah. give you that. Okay, we've but gotten off. Tr- we've gotten off truck now. No, that's I'm, what we do. I think that's kind of the whole point of this episode is some off track. Uh, I want to ask scatter Stephen, I know where you were going to kind of give us a, a primer of my Python, but I want to ask Stephen why he started that website way back when, and how he got exposed to money. Monty Python. Well, let, we can all do that in round. Let, let's do the history first, and then we'll get into that. Okay, we'll all do right. that afterwards. So, right. Stephen, bite your Thank tongue. <laughs> so, can you read that? Read that. This is from the first twenty years, the first two hundred years, the first two hundred years of Monty, of Monty Python, Python by Kim Howard Johnson. So, thank you, Kim Howard Johnson, for your uh, efforts, and uh, we will enjoy the fruits of your labors. Um, yes, uh, as the uh, the storm, the Monty Python storm gathers in the mid sixties. Um, the six men who would be Pythons have been writing and performing for the BBC in various capacities. John Cleese and Graham Chapman, who would go on to be writing partners, had just finished at last the 1948 show, which seems a bit of a non sequitur, seeing as this was almost 1969. Mm-hmm. Let's not get carried away here. While Terry Jones, Michael Palin, Eric Idle, and Terry Gilliam had wrapped up Do Not Adjust Your Set, a BBC children's show that had also featured Neil Innes and the Bonzo Dog Band. Now, accounts vary, but the BBC was reportedly interested in doing a series of John Cleese, while Cleese had wanted to work with Michael Palin. The two groups got together, and thanks to the efforts of producer Barry Took, they had the opportunity to do his as-yet-undefined comedy show. Mike was the connecting element that got our two different groups together, recalls Gilliam. John had the standing invitation from the BBC. I don't think they knew who all of us were. They knew we'd all been writers. We'd worked on stuff for Marty Feldman and David Frost, but John was always the one they liked the most. <laughs> yes. And, uh, uh, I guess that's enough. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So yeah, okay. so they uh, they all get together in the uh, in the mid sixties, um, um, influenced by uh, shows such as uh, the Goon Show, um, Spike Milligan's uh, and um, uh, Milligan had been idol of the group ever since his Goon shows and uh, his series Q Five, the uh, stream of consciousness approach that uh, uh, gave the Pythons a bedrock for the nonsensical. Um, uh, Efforts that uh, would soon very transpire. very silly. Now, Brad, what what was your question to um, Stephen? I want to know how Stephen got exposed to Monty Python in the first place and why he decided to build that website. Well, <clears throat> I think I got exposed to it like I think most Americans did was through the Holy Grail. Um, I remember as a young boy in grade school coming into the living room and my father was sitting on the couch and he was watching a movie and i came in and i saw that hold on my kids have just come into the room hey well, you know we're <laughs> used to that hey, that's that's a, a, you got kids coming in here all the time man, this is starting to sound like a half hour wasted <laughs> i know and uh but he was watching a movie and as i walked in it was uh these two knights fighting each other a green knight and a black knight and i thought oh, wow this looks very interesting and um sat down to watch it with them and was soon introduced to the Black Knight scene. And <laughs> wow, you know, I have no idea what this is, and limbs are being hacked off, and you know, I just fell in love with it right away. 
gushing fountains of blood uh, and all that. And about how old yes. were you again? Oh, I was in grade school. I don't know mm-hmm. exactly how old I was. Um, but it wasn't long after that before I found out that they were playing episodes of the show on PBS. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. So I would stay up late and watch the episodes. And, uh, you fight with yeah, the strength just... of many men tonight. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. I just, I just, I, I fell in love with the show. And the Britons. Talk, Steve. Mm. This ambiance. <laughs> well, and with. All right, sorry. <laughs> Go, ahead. Go ahead. And uh, the whole Black Knight scene, actually, when I was in high school, um, I don't know if you guys had a, a thing in high school called forensics. Uh, yeah, that was like uh, debate. Yeah. But they also did duet acting, and my senior year of high school, uh, a friend of mine said, well, you should come do this duet uh, acting with me in forensics. We could do Monty Python. And we ended up combining the Black Knight scene with the constitutional peasant scene, somehow managed to combine <laughs> it together, and uh, won a gold medal at our first meet. Well, all right. All right. All right. Uh, I would have gone there for the cheese shop or maybe was The, the constitutional pe- peasant, was that when those guys are on the hill talking about you know, there's some lovely filth down here. Are you mm-hmm. talking about that scene? Dennis! Yes, when okay. he's, uh, yeah. you know, Arthur's telling him how he became king. Just because some moistened bink loves a scimitar in your direction is no basis for a system <laughs> of government. <laughs> the exactly. supreme executive power <laughs> derives from a mandate from the masses, not from some farcical aquatic ceremony. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, dear. So, Stephen, what kind of uh, what kind of rough age demographic are you in? Are you like uh, a... Um, Above 30, younger than 40 kind of area, or? 36. Okay, cool. Oh, yes. he said it. Wow. You're you're a puppy. That's very good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can remember my exposure was to the series, Monty Python, and it was, uh, just like you, uh, it was a PBS late night show. Uh, usually, it was either Friday nights or Saturday nights, so I would have to stay up late to watch it. And I remember the first time coming across it just being... So excited and just, just like, this is so different and so new to me. And I think, in fact, I queued it up. I think the first skit, here, let's see if I can, if I do Rather have Rather analytical it, approach there for you, Frank. Uh, was, um, was the, uh, here we go, was the argument skit, which I have queued up right here. <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> anyway, I did. You most certainly did not. Now, let's get one thing quite clear. <laughs> I most definitely told you. You did not. Yes, I did. You did not. Yes, I did. Didn't. Yes, I did. Didn't. Yes, I did. No, this isn't an argument. It's, well, not much of an yes, argument there. No, it isn't. It's just contradiction. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. It is not. It is. <laughs> you just contradicted me. No, I didn't. Oh, you did. No, 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 no. You did just no, then. No, no, nonsense. Oh, look, this is futile. No, it isn't. I came here for a good argument. No, you didn't. You came here for an argument. <laughs> an argument's not the same as contradiction. Can be? No, it can't. An argument is a connected series of statements to establish a definite proposition. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. <laughs> there you go. And, um, th- and that's so brilliant because it's so it's such a simple concept. Part of that I've used part of that in our open. Uh-huh. Is this a five minute argument or the full half hour? Yes, <laughs> that's right. I think I was. I think, s- go go ahead, Steve. Well, one of the lines from the argument sketch I think really def- helps me to define Python. It's that one line where. As they're arguing, and Michael Palin says to him, you know, an argument is a collective series of statements. It's not just saying, no, it isn't. And John <laughs> yeah. says, yes, yes, it is. And Michael <laughs> Palin says, no, it isn't. <laughs> yes, it is. Brilliant. How about you, Brad? What was your exposure? I, I think I, I I don't know. It's It was through the Holy Grail mm-hmm. movie, but I don't know. 
why or why I was watching it or where I was. I think I might have stumbled across it on PBS mm-hmm. and then was fascinated by it. Down the street, there was a video store that I had gone in with my mom or dad at the time, and I saw the Holy Grail sitting on the shelf, and I said, can we please rent this? I saw it on TV, and I want to see the whole thing. Oh. So that was when I was, li- I mean, little. Really? It came out in, what, 74 is when that movie came out? Uh, oh, let me look at my notes, unless you know. Pretty it sure it was 74, and I might have been 75. Like 75? I might have been like eight or nine when mm. I first saw it. Yeah. And then, of course, I did more research, found the TV show, you know, and then I started renting other Monty Python movies that were on the shelf, like uh, Live at the Hollywood Bowl, now for something completely different, Life of Brian, you know. It's so funny you say, it's funny to think back when we were that age, and you say research, which I imagine was hitting libraries and stuff like that, because we didn't have the internet back then, and it was just, you know, how did we research stuff like that back then? I just think I asked around. Yeah, and you asked around, and you you went to libraries and magazines and stuff like that. I like Amazing. I um, I for better or for worse, I I don't know how to explain this, but I can't really remember a time when I wasn't familiar with pretty much every Monty Python episode. I still to this day, someday I'm going to see a Monty Python skit that I don't think I've ever seen before. But <laughs> I grew up. Um, my my parents uh, would watch it on Saturday nights, and I guess I would get to stay up or something. And you know, I mean, from the time I was conscious. I mean, it's like Star Trek. I've never, I've never seen an old Star Trek episode that I didn't know the end of. It's because I've been watching it my entire sentient life, and um, so yes. These requiem. <laughs> but yeah, I just I've been watching Monty Python my entire life, as far as I know, and uh, I could call my parents up and ask them, but I'm not going to, and you know, frankly, don't ask. Um, <laughs> But yeah, uh, I, I grew up on the episodes, and uh, the movies uh, came after and were wonderful. And um, yeah, and just a, just a quick list of the Monty Python movies, the proper movies: Monty Python and the Holy Grail, seventy five. One Monty Python: Life uh, Life of Brian, seventy nine. Uh, Monty Python Live at the Hollywood Bowl, eighty two. Albatross. <laughs> and what Monty Python's The Meaning of Life, 1983. Bleeding seabird flavor. <laughs> and uh, and then there, there's a whole bunch of series of movies that they did that were, you know, they did kind of by themselves or together. Okay, Ripping Yarns, which was a read TV a fish show. Don't Wanda. We've already decided that doesn't count. Uh, Jabberwocky, The Ruddles, Time well, Bandits. I mean, these Ruddles. are just movies. They're not Monty Python movies, but they're movies that they, they were did together or something. Yeah. yeah. Not even together. You know, there were yeah, some yeah. that some guys did by themselves. Um, Missionary, Yellowbeard, Brazil, uh, Adventures of Baron Munchausen, Jake's Journey, Fish Called Wanda, and Eric the Viking. Did you say Time Bandits? Yes. Time Bandits is awesome. Yeah. Time Bandits is pretty cool. Um, uh, thank you me... very, very much. <laughs> Go ahead, if Steve. I can... If I can just interject here real quick. Yeah, you're going to have to do that. You know you listen to the show. You're just going to have to <laughs> just jump, jump in. in. I don't know if you mentioned the uh, and now for something completely different movie. Um, no, I which, did not. Yeah, I, I rented that. Wasn't it just a collection of? Yeah, it was they they just a collection of sketches from the first two seasons that they refilmed, but they released that in the states in 1972 in the theaters, and I actually learned a few years ago that 
the night uh, before, two nights before I was born, my parents went and saw that in the theater. Uh, (laughs) That's what did it right there, man. Yeah. Fantastic. I was born to watch Monty Python. I had it from the womb. (laughs) That's right. My understanding was that they they just took the actual skits from the show and cut it together to movie, but you're saying they reacted them and refilmed them? Yeah, it's all. They've all been refilmed. You oh, know, that's awesome. I have that's I wild. have seen that movie because yeah. they, there's some very familiar skits, but it's done on film, mm-hmm. not on video. And I and it's just being completely different. Yeah, and it it it's a little it it takes you back a little bit when the first time I saw it because I'm like, well, that's the same skit, but it just looks completely different. Well, it's completely different seeing a man with three buttocks on film versus <laughs> video. The the ambiance is. I remember seeing the, the blonde girl in the white bikini. Mm-hmm. And Carol the, Cleveland. And then the camera pans over left, and John Cleese is on a desk <laughs> laying on his side wearing a white bikini. And that was something completely different. And I was like, what is this? It's pretty awesome. And was it, was it, um, um, who was it who, who would, uh, sit at the piano naked? Terry, Terry Jones. Terry, Terry Jones. Jones. That that always with the hair, yeah, and the bow tie. Yeah. Let's just say yeah. we need to uh, we're going to need to re-edit onto the very top of the show uh, about a minute and a half of the It's guy. Just what's that? The It's guy. The It's guy. You know, Michael Palin. Is it you know the, the he's got the rags on and he always at the start of every episode he kind of oh, has yeah. to work his way up towards the camera. Right. You know, it takes him about forty five seconds or so, and yes, he gets up there and he say It's. Monty it's. Python's Flying Circus. Did they did they start every episode with that It's guy? No, I don't think they start every episode with that. Well, it's. actually, let's ask the But they would, they would end uh, many episodes with that, too. So, uh, no, it wasn't necessary to have it at the very beginning. And I'm not even sure that it was in every single episode. Pretty much every... I, I just watched the entire first series last night, and every episode of the first series starts out with the It's guy. Excellent. You watched the whole series last night? It's the first the, series. The first the first series, yeah. The, the first how many, season. Remember, how many episodes in Britain, are in it? those insane people consider seasons serieses, which is incredibly confusing to Americans <laughs> who would like to consider a series a, a whole. Like, you know, yeah. you talk about the Star Trek series, you're talking about the entire three-year run. You're not talking about season one, season two, season three. Right. Whereas in Britain... Yes, it would be series one would be the first season, series two would be the second season, series three would be the third season. It's insane. I don't know why they do it that is it way. Still that way. It's annoying. Yes, it absolutely is. They just uh, the the Doctor Who reboot. They are they refer to that as series one, two, three, four, and I think we're finishing up series five now. Is that it? It's well, a British charm. I think on the space yeah, why the DVD British do that, that just came know. out. It's labeled the complete series. Yes, but it. One disc is season one, and the other disc is season two. Okay, well, maybe that's, you know, that may be a, a nod to the Americana. exception? Because mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't exception. be surprised if you went and got the Region 2 disc or whatever the British version is. It wouldn't shock me at all if it said Series 1. Yeah. Hey, uh, Stephen, can you, can you comment on Jake's journey? That was... Um, um, uh, Exception. Was it a little boy who befriends a dragon? Was <laughs> that it? Well, yeah, I don't... Do, okay. do, can you comment on that series? Do you know anything about it? I actually didn't see it. Okay. So no, I can't. But that was, that was Grand Chapman's probably last attempt before he passed away of some type of cancer. It was like spinal cancer or something like that. Well, rampant alcoholism. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And he alcohol. died in he died in eighty nine on October fourth, the day before the twentieth anniversary of the first episode airing, which was October fifth, nineteen sixty nine. He nice. wanted nothing to do with it. <laughs> 
<laughs> he would do anything to get out of the reunion wow. show. <laughs> Including die. It's just I'd kind rather of man. die than sell out. That's, uh, silly, silly. That's too silly. Well, you guys want to talk favorite favorite skits? Steven, is, are you like me in that since you were exposed to Holy Grail first, is that your absolute favorite? As far as the movies are concerned, yes. I think Life of Brian is a better movie, but the Holy Grail will always be number one in my heart. Have you, um, I assume you have the, like, special edition two-disc version of the Holy Grail on DVD. Yes. Have you listened to the commentaries? Uh, yeah, but it's, it's been a while. Yeah, there there are two commentaries that are really funny. One is Terry Jones and Terry Gilliam, and they have, it like, a director, serious type of conversation. And then the other commentary is uh, Michael Palin, Eric Idle, and John Cleese, and they're just, you know, they're... You're taking it halfway serious, but then it's funny too. Mm-hmm. It's really, really entertaining. Wow. Yeah, I like I like that the the commentary with with Eric Idle and John Cleese and Michael Palin. And I I love certain points in it when they themselves will start laughing. Yes. At yeah. Certain things that they're watching. I yeah. think that's great. <laughs> um, let's let's do well, f- favorite <laughs> other than the, other. Th- hey, uh, I hate to uh, interject here. Go ahead. Well, no, I don't. But um, <laughs> the appropriate It's Man, who had run up to the camera and gasped, It's, just before the opening titles rolled. There really was no reason why we did it, some Michael Palin. But, of course, there was a reason why we did things for no reason at all. And I'm sure the It's Man must have been born of that. Um, says here that it was not a parody of any other show. But um, according to uh, Michael Palin, quote, It was rather like this character who maybe one day many years ago had been a presenter and had been allowed to say whole sentences. <laughs> but he'd fallen on hard times and was now cut off immediately after he said just the first word. In fact, one of the titles of the show was It's. So he must have been in there fairly early on. A list of titles I've got scribbled in a notebook was It's and then just It. So that's probably where he came from. And it says they uh, would shoot the It's Man segments along with other film portions of uh, Python, uh, generally when they're on locations. And then they would later insert uh, into the studio part of the show. So the It's Man would just be filmed wherever the heck the group happened to be at the time. Wow. Wasn't that um, Michael Palin, right? Yes. Yes, and uh, we've heard this before, but uh, um, the the one place uh, Palin is, is talking about where they had to do the It's Man, it was a place called Cool Harbor in Bournemouth, with very nice sunny weather. Unfortunately, the It's Man had to emerge in the sea, um, so he had to get dressed <laughs> all these rags and tatters, walk into the sea, wait for a cue, get down into the water, count ten, and then come staggering out. But we were in a place called Sandy Bay, very aptly named because it was all sand, hardly no sea at all. I walked out to where I thought I'd be under, uh, underwater. I'd gone out several hundred yards and was still just below my knees. By the time I found enough water submerged and I was out of earshot, and something had to be done with waving hands and screams and shrieks. <laughs> he said he felt silly dressed like this. There were a few holiday makers who looked extremely bewildered. As this terrible figure strode out, trying to get lower and lower, occasionally ducking down the water to find my back was still showing, so I had to go further. The baptism of water, he calls it. <laughs> he says the nastiest, though, was when he had to be hung up on meat hooks. <laughs> so in those days, they couldn't afford harnesses, so he was just hanging. And I can understand why they kill things first, because it's extremely painful to be hung on these bloody hooks if you're still alive. Ouch. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you said, as far as the movies go, uh, Holy Grail was your favorite. Yes. What did that qualification mean? You mean why is it my favorite? No, no. Like, why did you make the distinction as far as the movies go? What's the other side of that? What do you, I'm, I'm sorry. Explain that. I don't understand what you're asking. Well, I said, what's your favorite Monty Python thing? And you said, well, as far as the movies go, it's the Holy Grail. Oh, that implies something else. 
Well, it, my probably my favorite, most favorite thing that Monty Python has ever done is a sketch from the show, and it's the fish slapping dance. Oh, nice! I love, I absolutely love that. A fair choice, sir. <laughs> and I actually, I have a quote here from Michael Palin. I've got the same book you guys do, <laughs> the first two hundred years of Monty Python. And uh, <clears throat> I think Michael Palin explains it better than I can. And he says, of all the Python stuff, this, th- that is something I would show people to determine whether they have any detectable sense of humor at all. <laughs> that's, something, that's something one could show to a person who is devoid of a sense of humor, and they might just begin to smile. <laughs> and if they didn't, there would be no hope for them at all. Wow. <laughs> There's a Wikipedia entry for the fish slapping dance. That's, that's excellent. Oh, uh, man had a video with it now i um uh, i don't I found this i just found the video on youtube okay let's see what this sounds like i don't know that i've ever seen this actually <laughs> oh yes i've seen this <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh not, not a lot of visuals but this make good background music for a discussion and uh, that's it right it's very short yeah oh yeah and then he <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, who was that? Was that Michael Palin? Palin. Uh, John Cleese and Michael Palin. <laughs> Michael Palin was hitting him, hitting John Cleese with real small fish, and then Michael Palin or John Cleese pulls out this two foot long fish of some kind and just whacks him in the side of the head, and knocks him into the river. He falls into the fields. Oh. And I, I love how they're dressed like safari men, yeah. and it's just it's wonderfully random and makes absolutely no sense. Well, but it's so Palin, the wonderful way, the way Michael Palin's just kind of flitting back and forth <laughs> on his little feet. He's just kind of doing a little dance, and he'd come up and he'd slap him with a little little halibut or something. And <laughs> <laughs> Cleese pulls out a mackerel that must weigh forty pounds. Yeah, and, you know. <laughs> and just the fact that they would go to a location, take a film crew out there, and film that—it's not even thirty seconds long. Mm, that's funny. <laughs> that's pretty funny. And you hope they get that right in the first take, don't you? Yeah. Yes. I wish I could just go buy that. Huge DVD set of the whole oh. series, all in one deal. Yeah, my, I've got a uh, I've got a brother in law who's uh, who's teased me with that before. Uh, it's pretty. I funny. don't like him anymore. What's um, what's your favorite, Frank? Um, I was gonna uh, it was I was gonna say that exact one. The fish. The, slam. Yeah, it's just wow. so. It 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 encompasses well, just what Steve, Stephen read. It just encompasses everything that's silly and funny and random and. You know, what is the point to it? Does it need a point? It, yeah. Where did it come from? I, I can imagine these guys sitting in a room going, I have an idea. <laughs> I'll, we'll slap each other with fish. Won't that be oh, jolly fun? Fishy, 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 fish. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I wish I had a favorite. It's like uh, trying to... That's kind of uh, like trying to decide which one of your children is your favorite. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or which one of your wives is your favorite. <laughs> oh. Exact same thing. Stephen, how many wives do you have? How many what? Wives. Do you have I more than one? one? Like, Just like one? us? Okay. All those cool one. people down here in uh, uh, Texas have amateur uh, multiple me. wives. <laughs> Excuse me. So you probably don't know that. I can do what I want. Oh, dear. I can... Uh, I can eat I think cereal out of a bowl over the sink wearing a chef's hat. It's not my favorite no sketch. No one to tell me what to do. But the one thing that intrigues me most is I'm still trying to figure out what is the is the English translation of the deadliest joke in the world. Oh, okay. Uh, you had done that earlier. Can you can you yes. read it? Um, 
phonetically for us? Yes, as the German gets up uh, and says, Wenn ist das Nernstück Gitten Schlottermeier? Ja, Beger hat das unter die Flipperwald gespult. And uh, the, uh, the, the, the American w- servicemen weren't told the translation. I found because, the video. Yes. And, uh, and what's it called, the deadliest joke? The deadliest joke in the world. They had to come up, uh, they came up with that um, and uh, bedeviled the, uh, the Germans with it. And at one point, I thought it was, my dog has no nose. How does he smell? Awful. He's writing, he's writing the joke. And he read it, and then he just killed himself. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so not my favorite sketch of all time. I don't know what. I, I honestly don't know what would be. I mean, uh, there's so many good ones, but uh, I don't know. The one that always comes back to me is the uh, the pointed stick uh, sketch, where uh, you're supposed to attack John Cleese with fruit. I just I just played he, that. And just, then he releases yeah. the tiger, and then he drops a 16 ton weight. I I think that's the. The image of the 16-ton weight dropping on people is, uh, <laughs> is is probably my my favorite Python visual. Ooh, I love it. Yeah, that's on my list of favorite sketches. But yes, the uh, the 16-ton weight which drops onto somebody and then bounces once is uh, <laughs> yeah. quite quite clever. I'll go ahead and qualify like Stephen did. I'll say the Holy Grail is my favorite movie. But if I had to pick a favorite skit, it would be the uh-huh. the four Yorkshiremen where they're. Sitting around trying to one <laughs> nice. up each other uh-huh. about how bad they used to have it back in the day. I guess I don't remember this one. Very possible, Henry. Very possible. Right. 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 Good glass of shuttle, shuttle, Oh, you're right there, Obadiah. Right. Who would have thought thirty years ago we'd all be sitting here drinking chateau de chasselet? Eh? Uh, Them days we're glad to have the price of a cup of tea. Right. A cup of cold tea. Uh, without milk or sugar. Or tea. It's just four guys sitting there smoking cigars, and they've got tuxes on, and they're drinking the expensive wine. And yes, you know, have you you know, you're familiar with this, aren't you, Stephen? Yeah, I know that one. Uh, that's my absolute is that from favorite. Super Bowl? Is that from Hollywood Bowl? I'm not sure where it where it originally showed up first, mm-hmm. but I've yeah. seen it li- on live at the Hollywood Bowl. I've mm-hmm. seen it at other places, um, and actually on YouTube, you can find other groups of comedians. That are sitting around doing this very same really? sketch. Yeah. Wow! Yeah, I found. Um, yeah, it's. I'll assume they put their own spin on it, kind of like the aristocrats joke. Um, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, like there's a, there's one where uh, Eddie Izzard. Oh, greatness! Who is Alan Rickman, Harry Einfeld, and Vic Reeves? Okay, I don't know. It's the, last the four two of guys. them sitting around doing the very same. Skit, you know. So obviously By the way, it touches people. Bad news for Python fans. According to Eric Idle, the deadliest joke in the world is actually German gibberish. And they said it's yeah. written down gibberish because we all had to learn the same words. But it's gibberish. It doesn't mean a thing at all. Oh. At least Eric Idle doesn't think it does. That's disappointing. Did you know that, Stephen? Yeah, it was German gibberish. They a lot of the foreign languages that they did in the show was not real. It was just gibberish. That they well. Made up. Um, Schlotermeyer apparently is neighbor's wife, and uh, Beggarhund is uh, what a beige dog. Um, <laughs> and I don't know what flipper vault is, if it means anything at all. That's where or, you store your flippers. Put. <laughs> so. And uh, the the four Yorkshiremen is actually something that is it predates Monty Python. Um, they it never it was never on any of the shows. They performed it live, and I believe it was because <clears throat> I'm reading the. Uh, Python's autobiography. I'm about halfway through that. 
And I think that was something that was written uh, by John Cleese and Graham Chapman back in their college days. You know what? You're right. I read an article about it. Okay. It, you're exactly right. The two of them had written that years earlier. And then when they, when they started doing the show, they brought it to that. Genius. By the way, I, I don't know if I have a, uh, a favorite sketch, but I have decided what my favorite sketch punchline is. What? Nudge, nudge. <laughs> know what I mean? Nudge, nudge. <laughs> the way that is. Say so. no more. <laughs> so you've uh, you've been you know, uh, with a with a lady. With a lady. Yes. What's it like? What's it like? <laughs> Stephen, do you have any uh, oh, anybody to up. watch uh, the Holy Grail with, or will will are you like me where nobody will watch it with me? Except apparently Bill said he would. <laughs> Yeah, nobody will watch it with me. Sometimes <laughs> my, my son will sit down and watch bits and pieces of it with me, but yeah, it's usually something I have to do alone. I've started uh, trying to introduce Ashley, my 14-year-old, to uh, bits and pieces of mm-hmm. Monty Python, and um, I'll watch her when she's listening to it. Like, we'll be in the car, I'll play it on mm-hmm. the iPod, and I'm, I'll watch her. You know, I'll look over, and every once in a while, she'll smile. She's even laughed out loud a couple times. but She doesn't want to. She just doesn't. Most of the time, she's got this look on her face like, what am I listening to? <laughs> Good heavens. Uh, what What about Life of Brian? I always felt like I was going to hell. For watching for that? For watching that movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. no. But I like that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I don't anymore think I'm going to hell because I'm watching that movie. Right. But when I was a kid. Which is good. When I was a kid, I thought. Oh God must hate me because I'm laughing at this movie. <laughs> oh no! But I've you know I've matured. I've I've understand the I get it. You know. Okay. I get the joke. Um, there's some stuff in there that just absolutely kills me. <laughs> uh, like when all the women are wearing the fake the mustaches beard, yeah. and beards, <laughs> yeah, so they can, so they can go to the stoning. The stoning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh! And then and Cleese's direction during it: do not throw stones until I until I say the word Jehovah. Jehovah. <laughs> then they throw them. Yeah. Or the uh, the Judean people front with Stan, who wants to be Loretta. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they will fight for his right to have babies. Yes. Or the people's front of Judea. Yeah, that's right. Oh. <laughs> yeah, there's so much. There's and, just so and, much to like the about leper. that movie. I got better. Alms for an ex-leper. <laughs> yeah, that, that is, I think, clearly the, uh, the the best written and most linear Python story in the history oh, yeah. of Python. Yeah. Not, the, um, not a big stretch to say that. What was the, the, the part of the movie near the end where Eric Idle was in line to pick up a cross or something, and they're like, crucifixion? Good, yes. Line on the left, one cross each. <laughs> you know, and then uh, the uh, Terry Gilliam was doing a character. He, he talks like this. We've got lumps of it round the back. <laughs> you know, whenever... Somebody was around him, he'd talk like that. But when it was just him and Eric Idle, he'd sit there and he'd start talking like I am now. You know, it's just oh, that always made me laugh. I was like, well, how do these guys come up with? I know with this type of humor. I just it's amazing. <laughs> what is it about being on the other side of the world that that makes you think that you know that's okay. funny as opposed to? Here's something we all need to get grips on: what British people in general are smarter than us. Okay. Is it the accents? Deal with it. <laughs> it's an issue, but this is objective, and we all just have to deal with it. Mm. British people are very smart. Now, they have uh, very poor diets, and their teeth are funny looking, and uh, their oh, transit time, it. if you I know what that is, is rather teeth. slow. But um, 
Um, but yes, they are, uh, uh, they're geniuses. Uh, they're the cradle of uh, civilization and we should all get down on our knees and, uh, realize that we're not worthy to, uh, to lick their boots. Oh, I'd have wow. to go with that. <laughs> yes. Why don't you just move over there then? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you the English most, lover, well, just, wanker, why, you but, tea but spouting, I biscuit am, eating. But I am British. I'm, I am part British. Are you really part British? Yeah, my grand, uh, my uh, uh, mom's dad's maiden name was BB, which is odd because he's a male. BB is that an English name? Yeah, very. See, you look at me like I'm an idiot. See, senor. <laughs> yeah, BB is is very British. B E B E. Yeah. Uh huh. Yep. Pretty Maybe much. it's baby. And uh, I just I recently uh, was looking at something last night, and I realized that uh, my last name McGonnell um, was uh, originally Scottish and became Irish. Really? So yeah, I'm all over. I'm all over. Hmm. The, He's the, the international buddy. man of mystery over here. Oh, look that's at that. right. Very uninteresting. Right. Extremely, yeah. extremely dull and uninteresting. Yeah. Longweilig <laughs> is my middle name. <laughs> yeah, baby. So you know, all you people who took German in high school, look that up and smoke it. Um, um, what about Life of Brian uh, for you, Stephen? I mean, you, you said it was, uh, you thought it was the better of the two movies, of, of uh, Holy Grail. Yeah, I think as as far as <clears throat> the two movies are concerned, because it is very much a, a linear story, um, I think the, the, the writing and performances, it is a better quality movie. Um, but the Holy Grail is just, you know, I've seen that more times than... I've seen. I think I've seen Holy Grail more times than I've seen Star Wars. Oh, <laughs> really? You know, yeah. Stephen, I might, I might be able to. Uh, the The Holy Grail might actually give Star Wars a run for its money, and mm-hmm. as far as viewing <laughs> wow. viewing count. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I I have the album of the soundtrack of the movie of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. You know, it's basically they took bits yes. from the movie yeah. and then they interwove other stuff in the middle of it. You know, I've got that on my iPod. I've got the movie the holy grail on my ipod so i can listen to it in the car if i want to that's beautiful i've got you know a bunch of uh, monty python cds on my ipod i just you know we're, we're well over a half hour into this and we still haven't even touched on the two most salient questions attached to monty python question one why is monty python still as funny today after <gasps> you've seen the punchlines and heard them literally hundreds of times in some instances how is it still as funny today as the first time you heard it? And question number two, why don't chicks get it? <laughs> I used to live. I used to live next door to a girl who um, liked Monty Python and okay. the Holy Grail as much as I did. Her husband didn't. Wow, rare gem. Yeah, a rare gem. Her, her name was Beth, actually, and she said, "I love that movie, and Rick won't watch it w- with me." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Well, one day I'll come over and we'll watch it together because my wife won't watch it either." You know, um, there might have been a star cult. Star cult. She yes. likes the Holy Grail. Now yes. she's also British. Yes, yeah, she, she loves Doctor Who. She, she loves well, Eddie Izzard. She loves she, yes. If she could move over there and look, she's there, an Anglophile. She, she yes. absolutely loves everything British. But you know what? I asked myself. Well, that she same works question. the airport. She's halfway there already. <laughs> I asked myself that same question. Get on a plane. Why am I laughing at this? Like I laughed at it the first time. Well, because it's still just as funny as it has ever been. It's 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 no less funny, and somehow I mean, you know, you watch a you know watch a comedy act. I mean, watch any sketch comedy show, and you know, watch a rerun of a Saturday Night Live episode. It's like, wah, 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 wah. well, heck, that's it's that way sometimes. The first run episodes, but uh, 
But somehow, that Monty Python skit, which you've seen a billion times, still resonates the way it did the first time. Well, the, Thank the, you, Monty Python. The, the humor is so silly that it's almost timeless because it's just so that's, ridiculous. That's a good point. And, and it's like, you know, people who are, who are you know, little, little 16-year-old kids who are, who are going to watch it for the first time, they're just going to love the fact that it's so silly. And, you know, they're, they're not basing their humor on technology. That's actually, they're, they're not basing their humor on, you know, a computer joke or anything. It's, you may have hit on something, Frank. I think that's an excellent point, that they're, they're, their comedy is basically timeless because, um, yeah, there's, there's, no, there's no time set on confusing a cat. Yeah, <laughs> you know, wonder, and that's a wonderful skit too. Yes. I don't know that I've ever seen that. One. Oh, oh, Brad! It, it's purely visual, but it's <laughs> confuse a cat. It's a service where they confuse They're, your cat. Yes, your, the, your lethargic cat. Yes, the the cat won't get up. The cat's lethargic and laying around all the time. <laughs> they said the best way to shake it out of its shoulders is to confuse it. And uh, <laughs> yes. Oh, you just made me smile. I forgot about Confuse a Cat. <laughs> Confuse a Cat Limited. I don't think I've ever I think, seen that. I but, think the key, the, really the key to their humor is that they, you know, they weren't writing these jokes for the audience. Yes. They weren't, you know, writing jokes thinking, I bet this would make people laugh. They wrote what they thought was funny, and they would get together, you know, they, they'd all go off and they'd write their sketches, and then they'd get together and they'd read them out as a group. And if they didn't think it was funny, it wouldn't go in. And I think just the fact that they wrote stuff that they, that made them laugh, I think it gives it uh, just that quality that makes other people laugh. You know, nowadays it's like even stand-up comedians. You know, they write their jokes and then they go and they perform them. And if it doesn't get a laugh, then you know they they're kind of trying to cater towards their audience. Where Monty Python was just catering to themselves. I, I'm not by any stretch of the imagination trying to compare Will Ferrell with Monty Python but I find oh, yes, that yes you are no I'm not but I find yes you are <laughs> no I'm not oh, is this a five minute argument or a full half hour but Let's I find that half hour. that uh, Will Ferrell and Adam McKay uh-huh. the director I, I find yes. that, that that those guys do a lot of stuff for the same reasons because they think it's funny especially in Anchorman you yes. really get that in the Anchorman movie yeah. to where it's just these wonderfully I mean, what, what was the name of that of that of that perfume they had? The the cougar sex panther. Sex panther. Sex panther. <laughs> you know, sixty percent of the time it works. Every time, <laughs> it's made of made of bits of real panther, yeah. so you know it's good. See, and that's and and that's a great comparison, Brad. It, it is a comparison. It's a good one too. I mean, they're in that same vein. You uh, you could probably say they're inspired by. Uh, I think that that must be mm-hmm. the final answer. Is that is that it's nonsense. That doesn't make nature. sense. Thank you. It's nonsensical nature, and it's timeless. It's it's literal timeless nature. Mm-hmm. It must be um, what does it, and the impeccable timing of the uh, the gentleman in question. Um, I wanted to move on to to meaning of life, which in in my opinion, my humble opinion, I think is is their weakest movie. That was the second movie that I watched. Really, of my Python. Interesting. Um, now, I was going to is this before seeing series episodes or. After. Yeah, I I don't think I saw I think I saw the Holy Grail first and then wow. The Meaning of Life. Mm-hmm. I might have even seen No, then I think I saw Live at the Hollywood Bowl cuz yeah. these were all the movies on that shelf at that video store. Right. And then I might have seen part of an episode or something. To this day, I still haven't seen most of the Monty Python episodes. Wow. Yeah, I just haven't had You've the heard opportunity. Them, mm-hmm. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to start Netflixing them. 
Indeed. I'm just going to start Don't make you happy. time, baby. Yeah. Confuse a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's Not let's ask Steven. Steven, what did you think of Meaning of Life? I like Meaning of Life. I mean, I agree. I think most people agree that it is the weakest of the films, uh, but it still has some some very funny gems in it. Yes, um, it does. The the uh, the scene with uh, Eric Idle and Michael Palin dressed as the tiger, and the whole argument as far as <laughs> why they're coffees. dressed as the tiger, yeah. and uh, Michael Palin doing the uh, the marching down the square. Marching up really and down the square. Is Zay just sleep? Um, That's one of my yeah, favorites. Was, yeah. I think I just woke Zay yeah. up. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Marching up and down the square. Do you hear him? And get the most expensive machines in case the administrator comes. <laughs> this, yeah. The EEG, the BP monitor, and the AVV. Yes, sir. And uh, get the machine that goes. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines in that whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> get the machine that goes. Um. <laughs> I love when they they get the uh, get the nice clock in the uh, in the glass case for their uh, for the CO. Yeah, when they're in the in middle, the okay, yeah. in the that, middle of the, the <laughs> battle scene. I think that's my favorite skit because that's it, a good one. Yeah, because it, it it it's a clock, but then some guys weren't communicating, so they also got a clock. Somebody else him. brought a, another <laughs> clock. <yeah. laughs> and it's all this British politeness in in a horrible war setting. I even think there's a cake. Isn't there's there a, a cake? cake? Yeah, somebody baked yeah. a cake. Yeah. <laughs> and, you try to get you try to get butter to melt it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that makes me. That is, I think, my favorite skit in that movie. But of course, the uh, the one that sticks with me most is the. Uh, so, can we have your liver then? <laughs> Just, but but I'm still using it. I mean, who hasn't oh, used that, that line? I think I have that. That's one. one thing too is that Monty Python has, has spawned so many so Here, many I have a drop. individual individual sentences and drop phrases that people can speak to each other and nothing but phrases from Monty Python. Hello, uh, can we have your liver? <laughs> <laughs> Terry Gilliam. What's this thing? Over. A liver donor's card. <laughs> Indeed, we say more. <laughs> and here's here's Tiger. Why are you dressed as a tiger? <laughs> <laughs> and let's this see. scene from from Meaning of Life always freaked me out. I wonder where that fish has gone. You did love it so. You looked after it like a son. And it went wherever I did go. He's got those like Mr. Fantastic arms, yeah. you know. <laughs> and then Graham Chapman has Graham Chapman he's wearing the, 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 the a bustier. A bustier with the water taps where the nipples are. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what is this? It's slightly creepy. It yeah. is. It is it creepy. Is. And it doesn't get much more nonsensical oh, than that. Fishy, 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 fish. Yeah, that's <laughs> there I I love the you know, of course, with Mr. Creosote, the big fat guy. Of course. Call, another bite, you know that whole bit. Oh, well, it's just Mr. Chris kills me. Lethathan. and then the uh, when they when death comes to dinner. <laughs> yes, you Americans, you talk and you talk and you talk and you just. I want to say this and let me tell you something. <laughs> well, you're dead now, Mister. So shut up. So shut up. Oh, and there's that one. Uh, there's that one line that's my favorite. Where they're walking out, they're all dead, and they're all walking out. You know, it turned out that the, the halibut was poison or red. The salmon, the salmon moose. And then that one person walks out. I didn't. I didn't eat the moose. Yes. Oh, this <laughs> oh, is an afterthought. Oh, dear, you didn't serve canned salmon again, did you? I was so dreadfully embarrassed. 
I say, shall we take the cars? <laughs> What's your favorite part of that movie, Stephen? My well, my favorite's got to be the marching up and down the square. I'm going to find that real quick. Marching up and down the square. <laughs> yes. Now, did you uh, for the episodes um, uh, during the original series run? Uh, did you appreciate the more nonsensical uh, uh, flow of thought nature? Of many of their early episodes, or did you kind of appreciate more of their theme episodes that they uh, started uh, doing in later years? Especially, um, wasn't it after uh, Cleese left they yeah. started doing uh, like the uh, the biking across Europe where he gets uh, he gets Don't put in prison? There, they they keep trying to execute him. And they keep missing. Now today we're going to do marching up and down the square. That is, unless <laughs> any of you got anything better to do. Uh, do? Well. Anyone got anything they'd rather be doing than marching up and down the square? All right, I got to stop it because I'm sitting here watching this, and I I'm thinking to myself, Michael Palin has got to be my all-around favorite Python. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, he, Graham Chapman is good, Eric Idle is good, John Cleese is good, but this guy tickles me to death. I I think um, yeah. yeah. Is it like uh, it was like people can tell your personality type by who your favorite beetle is? Oh yeah, kind of like guess. that with Monty Python. I guess. I mean, this guy, he just kills. So me I, I think I'd have to agree with you. I think hey. Mike, Michael Palin. Atkinson, what would you rather be doing, Atkinson? Oh. Well, to be quite honest, Sarge, I'd rather be at home, home with the, the wife book. and kids. Oh. Would you now? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody else happy with my little plan of marching up and down the square a bit? Sarge? Yes! I've got a book I'd quite like to read. Right, you go read your book then, now! Everybody else quite content to join in with my little scheme of marching up and down the square? Yes, we... What was that? Is everything okay, Stephen? Oh, oh dear! Oh, that's what's going to sound like in about uh, thirty minutes of Sage Wake. So, <laughs> everybody okay, Stephen? Yeah, he is. The string on his little guitar broke. Oh, no. you know I, about that. I, I make that same noise when my guitar strings break. <laughs> <laughs> He'll never make that chord without the G string. And you know what else? I mean the F or the D. That's. It was actually you know, yeah. actually rather unintended there. The um, hang on. There you go. The um, oh my gosh. The uh, the end of that movie when Eric Idle starts talking to the camera mm-hmm. and he says, "Come here, I want I want to show you something." Mm-hmm. And then he just like it seems like it's a five minute deal where the camera just keeps yeah. following him and following him and following him. Just a little bit further. Yeah, and then you know it, there are some long shots. But you can see it, it'll dissolve here mm-hmm. to speed up the process. You know, I'm just wondering how long that shot is <laughs> w- if they didn't dissolve, you know, from from bit to bit of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I and mean, that and that's a that's a that's a funny skit. It, we we can't play it on on because it's it, it, right. the, the punchline is very funny, but it's but right. it's very blue. But it's, it's <laughs> yeah. and that's right after the dinner scene, isn't it? When the guy blows up. It's right after the yeah, Mr. Creosote blows up and. Um, they the guy, pan over the, to the waiter. The waiter D calls for another bucket uh-huh. yeah, or a mop and a mop. Yeah. And then the waiter sitting there, the French waiter. Yeah. Now, 
I think my first exposure ever to uh, uh, naked female breasts <laughs> was this movie. Okay. And of oh, course, yeah, we're talking about oh, the scene where yes. the, the man gets to choose the manner of his own death. Mm-hmm. His own execution, I think, isn't it? Good well, heavens. Yeah, how he, he, he gets to choose is. the way he wants to die, and which is to be chased by a hundred topless women wearing bicycle helmets, <laughs> and they chase him off of, of, yes, of cliff. The, the cliff, <laughs> and he falls right into the grave that's dug for him. I never did understand why he'd be running from them, though. <laughs> that's my, my problem there. I, you know, like I said, I was little kid. Wow. And that was my first well, that, as, sighting, as it were. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And that's something that I always thought was very, very odd. I always wonder why my parents let me watch uh, Monty Python when I was that young. I mean, probably even too young to be impressionable and then old enough to be impressionable. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the cartoon segments and whatnot. And every now and again, you'd see uh, Carol Cleveland, like, run across the beach and get, you know, shards of clothing torn off her, you know, as she runs away from the camera. Uh, but it was... But, um, but the animation, mm-hmm. you know, was constantly serving up, you know, bits of people's anatomy, usually covered by leaves and whatnot, but sometimes not. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I always wondered, uh, why are my parents letting me watch this? <laughs> I get this. I think about a lot of the things that I watched and listened to when I was a kid. Are you tuning it? Steven, are you tuning it? Is that the E string that broke? The high E? I don't know which string it is. But I think about you know all the stuff that I listened to and watched when I was growing up. And I censor a lot of it, the same stuff, for my own kids. Okay. You know, it's just... I don't know. It's not that my parents weren't doing their job, but... Is it because they're ladies? I don't know. I always wondered... Uh, I don't know. I always wondered my parents were just that young or were that open-minded or didn't care or weren't really paying attention. I never could figure out what it, what it was. Well, I, I wonder if it's, if it's you know, it's cartoons. Maybe they weren't really paying attention. No, you know, I'm just... pretty sure my parents knew what was what was going down there. I mean, there's oh, the, well, you know, it's on PBS, so it must be good. Well, of course, then <laughs> again, though, I mean, when I'm watching these things on PBS, it's, it's the early 70s, and it may be the first time these things have ever aired on these shores. You know, we're watching them, you know, Saturday nights after Doctor Who, and, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty sure it's, it's the early 70s as we're sitting here watching these things, and that's pretty much, you know, it took them a few years to get over these shores. You know, they aired, well, they started airing over there, what did you say, October 5th, 1969, was that it? First episode ever? Oh, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, um, so it aired from 69 to 74, and I think it, it showed up. Oh, dear. Who was that? Hello? Did we lose him? Steven. Oh, my goodness. I'll call him back. Okay. okay. So keep going. Um, so, yeah. Oh. Can you that down while you do it? Interesting. So I always wondered, um, you know, uh, uh how how far after I've, I've I think I've read it before, but I don't know exactly when the the syndication um, uh, first started showing up uh, on our shores. I think it was somewhere around seventy three, seventy four. Hey, look, is that an animal or yeah. is that sage? No, that's an animal. You want me to let her out? Good heavens! What is that? A cat? It's I, a dog that wants dog. to go out very no, badly. No, the dog. No, you know what? I can let the dog out. Anytime I want. <laughs> I don't know why this is. Who let the dog needs to be complaining. This you, very odd. you, you, you. Hmm. Um, 
and uh, we'll wait for Stephen to get back on. But uh, I, like the last thing that, that Python ever came out with was um, was the Broadway show Spam a Lot. Ah, which um, have you ever fantastic. heard the soundtrack? Stephen? Nope. It, it's it's so much fun. Hello, Stephen. There we go. Hey. Yes. Not sure what happened there. Wow. No, nah, I don't know. Let's save that for at the end. Okay. Um, we just mentioned spam a lot, Stephen, but I'd like to address that at the end. Um, so, uh, is the guitar fixed? No. Uh, oh, man. I'm sorry. Um, did you distract the child? How old are your children? That's what I was going to ask you. My oldest, Simon, is six. Uh, my middle, Rana, is will be five next month. And then my youngest, her name is Palin, named after Michael Palin. Oh. Wow. <laughs> That's great. And she is three. Now, oh, I love that. How, how much longer until you let your six-year-old start watching, like for instance, the Holy Grail? Since that's what you and I watched first. What? How? How old are they going to be before you let them watch that all the way through? Oh, teenagers. I mean, you know, because how old were you when you saw it? I don't remember anything. Well, I was in. I was in grade school. I would have been nine or ten. Yeah, same here. And I don't remember anything truly objectionable in uh, Holy well, Grail. Now I can understand not letting see Monty Python: The Meaning of Life anytime soon. Visually, but. there's there's really not anything objectionable, right? But there was the oral sex comment, okay, you yes. know, that obviously went over my head. <laughs> okay. Mine too. You know, when I was that little, and so, <laughs> you know, if, um, you know, my kids watch that, yeah, good point. I don't want to have to. Answer that question. Okay. Well, I, I I would like to think that it goes over their head. I mean, yeah. I, I was well uh, well teenager before I even found found out what exactly that meant or yeah, what so, what what that term meant. You know, so. there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in the sprinkled throughout the Monty Python mm-hmm. stuff that, like for instance, in the meaning of life, the classroom scene where the instructor yeah. brings his yes, wife yeah. in yes. for visual aid. There's no way. Or well, there's inappropriate material all over. That's what meaning I'm saying. And when you know, I was like Stephen. I was in grade school when I saw that stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, as a dad now, I think how I... <laughs> your parents had no idea. I, what you were Yeah, watching. you know what? I I don't. And, and again, I'm not a parent, so I I can only speak. Well, as, that's a parent. Wow. But I, that stuff didn't damage me, and it was it was no. part of, of being a a teenager or a kid and kind of discovering these little taboo things that while while it, it was fascinating it didn't it didn't confuse me or it didn't mess me up it was just like oh so that's what that is or that's what that looks like and yep. it was it, it, it's more of a discovery and i think that you know i mean even if a kid goes to a library i think they're eventually going to pull out an encyclopedia and look you said stuff it up. right you said library with the library like last time you Good said Good job, library. Frank. Library. Those classes are helping. <laughs> I'm working on it. I was just it. curious, Stephen, because, you know, I'd like I'd like to introduce my 14-year-old to more Monty Python stuff, but I, I have to think, okay, is this okay to listen to? Is this what okay about to listen this to? One, you know? Is this okay to listen to? Is this one okay to listen to? Yeah, so. What about yeah, this one? Yeah, I mean, we watch, um, you know, I've, I've wa- let them watch little bits of Python now and again. There's, you know, I... I I know certain things I can let them watch and listen to, but, um, yeah, I just, I'm very selective. I think, uh, um, I don't know, I think probably when they're teens, they can sit down and watch all of it. But even 
even the episodes themselves. I mean, there's certain things in the episodes, you know, with the with the animation where they show oh yes the women's bits. So yeah. and oh, well, what? there's one episode where they show the naughty bits of Parliament. Yeah. That's a lot of <laughs> naughty bits there. But um, guys, uh, I'm actually going to have to cut my part of it short here because I gotta I gotta fix this guitar emergency. So, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, Was there anything you wanted to? That we didn't, you know, talk about that you were really just aching to talk about. Well, I did want to mention to just kind of bring it back to comics. Uh, I don't know how many people know this, but five or so years ago, John Cleese, along with uh, the guy who wrote that um, first twenty years of Monty Python, Kim Howard Johnson, wrote a book for DC Comics. Uh, it was an Elseworlds title called Superman True Brit. Really? And it was. It was about what if. Superman, you know, baby Superman's rocket crash landed in England. And what Superman would be like if he was raised by very proper English parents. Wow. Was it, was it hilarious or funny? I meant yeah, to say? It's, was it? it's pretty good. The art is by John Byrne. Wow. And uh, <laughs> it was released as a graphic novel, so you can only find it like in hardcover. Or I actually had no idea. Oh that my I've actually seen it and gotten very close to picking it up a couple times. John Byrne wrote it. And uh, it, the the artwork is really funny in it, in that there's a lot of wide eyed and kind of oh <laughs> wow yeah wow I'm I'm gonna have this is like kind of thing I need to find a library or something yeah library yeah I'm definitely gonna have to look at that well Stephen library. I'm sorry that you have to go you know because well, I had fun we could have sat here and I hope you didn't feel like I hope you felt I hope you feel like you didn't waste your time you know no not at all not at all. And, um, and, and, and what do you tell us about when's your show released and and its website? Uh, the show, the website is uh, justanotherfanboy.com. We usually uh, record two episodes a week. Uh, the first episode is released uh, usually Tuesday evenings, and then the second one is released on uh, Friday evening. And what what is the reason for your show's existence? Do you uh, you review comics? I mean, this is. This is for anybody who might have never heard your show before. What what? Why do they tune in to listen to your show? So, well, the the tagline I guess is is that we talk about comics and anything else that makes our little fanboy hearts flutter like the <laughs> wings of a tiny birdie. Oh, that's <laughs> cute. That's cute. I think we're familiar with that concept. So yeah. that's awesome. All right. Well, um, again, sorry you have to leave so soon because you know the three of us could just sit here and. Y- yak all day about Monty Python. Oh, so. dude, we can keep you busy till three or four o'clock this afternoon, easy. Yeah, I, I I do plan on having my own two or three episodes of just another fanboy dedicated to Monty Python, and I'm hoping Brad that you can join me on at least one of them. I'd be happy to, and Excellent. I'm sure I'm sure that you know down the line the three of us will say we'll feel like talking about Monty Python again. So if that happens, we'll yeah. have you back on. All right. All right. Cool. Thanks, Stephen. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, Bye. Stephen. Bye-bye. Bye. Sorry he had to go. Yeah. He, had right. a, he had a guitar emergency. <clears throat> well, I don't have strings pop like that. So you I guess we're at Spamalot now? <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I just, you know, had forgotten that I just... That just there's so much to talk about. Yeah. You know, there's so yeah. many scenes in, in these movies that just make me giggle. And But um, Spamalot, I have wanted to see that now it was in dallas not a year ago really? and i came that close to going but it didn't have did it have uh, tim no. curry and david no, Hyde Pierce? No? no okay i've got friends of mine who actually saw it up on broadway really yeah saw the the, the real deal 
I, I hate to admit, um, uh, I consider myself as, as strong a Monty Python fan as any human on this planet. Challenge me, you know, all arm wrestle you for it or something. But um, I just I have no desire to see Spamalot. Really? Have no, you heard I, the, the the soundtrack at all? No, I've heard people uh, mention bits of the soundtrack and uh, describe to me kind of what goes on and stuff. It's like, yeah, sounds funny. And uh, yeah, it it's eh, it's a yeah. reworking of a lot of material that you're familiar with. Yeah, I now mean, again, both from Life of Brian, yeah. um, Meaning of Life, and Holy Grail. And again, I'm 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 not I'm not totally anti musical, but I'm kind of inclined to lean away from the musical. So right right there, it's kind of a tough sell for this cat. Here, I'm bringing up the music right now. Yeah. So I've heard there's like the song about you know okay now here's a song that we've got yeah. to sing or something yeah. and which now, is one it's called the song that goes like this okay now, yeah <laughs> that I I found a um a did you uh, find the expurgated version well I found the the uh, the video of it <laughs> and I'd like to play it because it's just clever I mean it's very clever how long is it I don't know oh three minutes I mean oh. we can you know play part of it but actually I think I have. Here, I have the... Here, pop me up. I have a 30-second version of it. Oh, yes. Okay. Here you go. That sounds perfect. Open. Like this. Where is it? Where? Who's Where? Who's singing? Is that me? Okay, yeah, you had two things going there, didn't you? Yeah. Now, do we know which characters these are? Arthur and, um, and, Gwen- and Guinevere. Okay. <laughs> it's, so basically, you know. Wow. Once in every show, there comes a song like this. Yes. Um, it starts off soft and low and ends up with a kiss, you know. And oh, okay. It just goes on. And, and wow. They, there's a key change, and, and, and they're like, oh, come on. <laughs> yes. You know, it's really funny, but. Uh, here's, here's another one. His name is the Lancelot. This is probably my favorite song. Okay. Nice. <laughs> it turns out Lancelot is ding ling ling His name is Lancelot, and he likes dance a lot. He likes to dance a lot. You know you do. I do. So just say <laughs> Wow, <laughs> that makes me laugh so much because it's Lancelot <laughs> realizes that oh I'm gay oh <laughs> you know they're making fun of themselves who wrote that yes Spamalot who wrote that uh, Eric Idle is one of the the main archi- yeah he was architects. the he was the song guy yeah in that group I gotta almost rather listen to oh look. Traffic lights. <laughs> I played that I for like Ashley the other day. She looks at me like, "Are you kidding me?" I like tra- oh God! <laughs> and then here's 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 another good Although one. My name's not Ready. Bamba. This is Knights at the Round Table, but it's a, it's a. Uh, <laughs> and they rework it. No one second thought. Let's not go there. That sounds like a very silly place. I like that scene. I like that scene in the in the Holy Grail, and it cuts to the guy in the dungeon, and he's clap. He's trying to clap, but he's hanging up in the chain. Did you guys ever see the Lego version of that? Yes. Yeah, yeah. and they even have the dungeon scene. Yeah, yeah, with the guy. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to, I'm trying to call up uh, some. Uh, yes, the professor, God bless her, won't sit down and watch it with me, but she uh, she did get me the. Uh, 
the the new version of uh, Holy Grail when, as soon as it came out a few years ago. Yeah, there's another song in the soundtrack I'm I really that. love, but I really can't play it. It's, it's You Won't Succeed on Broadway, but I it <laughs> I think it is so funny. I'm trying to find... There was a skit on one of these albums that I have on my iTunes that made me laugh, and now I... I've even lost my train of thought as to where I was heading to, to play something. But here, my pot it up. Let me play this. I like to push the prime a lot. What is this? Uh, run away. Is that from Spamalot? Yeah, this is all from Spamalot. This is so much fun. Yeah, see, and again, I guess maybe maybe it has something to do with the fact that I prefer old Star Trek over new Star Trek. But <laughs> you know, give me uh, give me a I song guess I out of a, you know, give me some original Monty Python. Um, Spam Watt sounds cute and clever, but it sounds like it's made for you know, I don't know it sounds like it's made for another demographic than me. Maybe I'm just being stubborn. You know, um, on Python Land. Um, uh, Stephen has a, these links to all the characters, in uh-huh. it, and he gives them all um, subnames. Nice. Grant Chapman is the dead one. John Cleese is the tall one. Okay. Terry Gilliam is the American one. Eric Idle is the greedy one nice. because he seems like he's always trying to to <laughs> revamp it. <laughs> Terry Jones is the Welsh one, and Michael Palin is the nice one. Nice. That is good. Now, see, I, this I, is I, the this is the Liberty Bell March. You could easily this is, uh, this is the typewriter song. Mm-hmm. Yes, the name the is. typewriter song? Yes, by John Philip Sousa, isn't it? No, this is like the Liberty Bell March. The, I don't know. This, you this sure is, about this that, Frank? A, I am 100% sure. Okay. Are we going to debate this right now? No, I don't know about debate. Can um, you get the book I'm, out? I'm going to uh, figure out uh, how wrong you are. Oh, ho, 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 ho. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, this is what I was looking for. Now, Bill. where in the heck do oh, I, I find like this? Traffic lights. Yay! Oh, traffic lights. Uh, hey, do you have uh, here comes uh, another okay. one? Yes, I do. I love the, uh, the actually. Can the you pop me up for just a moment before you do that? Yeah, here, uh, uh, I just looked up the Liberty Bell March, an American military march composed by John Philip Sousa. Woo! Uh, many associate it with the British comedy television show Monty Python's Flying Circus. <laughs> and never again will anybody be able to hear that song and take it seriously. No! Ever. Ever. I, lo- I love this old lo-fi recording. Well, son of a gun, it does say the Liberty Bell March. You owe me a Coke. I owe you a Coke. Or a Coke Dr. B. As my, uh, as my wife uh, or my daughter would say, uh, you owe me a Coke and Snickers. I do have that skit, but it's on my iPod and not on my no. iTunes. So, no. So, uh, Terry Gilliam maintains there was no actual thinking beside the decision to use the Sousa March. Like most of the stuff, it was all spur of the moment. If we liked it, we did it. We might have been talking about marches or something martial while trying to think of music for the opening. I just remember sitting there listening to a lot of music, and then suddenly that thing came on the Liberty Belt. I thought, that has got to be it. It was just wonderful, just exactly right. So we got it cut down to 30 seconds, rearranged it, and cut sections out. It was the bell at the beginning that did it for me. Bong! A great way to start something. We cheated the bell, so it's actually much louder than it is in the original recording, Gilliam says. And then points, uh, smiles, he points out this is in the public domain. 
So it was free. I'm sure that had a lot to do with it. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's so great. So they've they've taken that song and made it their own, and no one can take it from them. Yes. And there was much rejoicing. Here comes I wish I had that gum. I wish another I had one. That. I'm to find that on YouTube. Here, if Steve was back on, we get him to do the guitar part. Here comes again. That is awesome. Yeah, it's not on. It's not on. No. Dang, I wish I had brought my iPod in because it is on my iPod. But I never understood what that was anyway. It's just weird. The. Oh yeah, I I don't know that there was. I mean, that was the contractual obligation album, yes, which I always thought was of, incredibly funny. They put, threw, just put <laughs> threw a bunch of junk in there. And, yeah. Yes, because they had a contract; <laughs> they were contractually obligated to put an album. So here is the contractual obligation album. I like this. Although is how that, that had some of their greatest, you know, some of their greatest stuff ever. This I is mean, how that that the album started out right here. The Congratulations version. on buying the executive version <laughs> of this record. You have chosen wisely, and we value your discerning taste in deciding to pay the few extra pence for a product of real quality. Everything on this record has been designed to meet the exacting standards which you have naturally come to expect. The record itself is made from the very finest Colombian extruded polyvinyl. The center hole has been created to fit exactly onto your spindle with all the precision of finest Swiss craftsmanship. The audio content has been quality graded to give you the finest in listening pleasure. There is little or no offensive material apart from four one and a and, and I guess it'll be better. this opening introduction, you're past them now. <laughs> you can relax and enjoy this quality product, secure in the knowledge that it has been specially created for the lover of fine things and the man of good taste. <laughs> oh, sorry, you can edit that out, can't you? Yeah, no problem. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Yeah, I'll bleep. I'll bleep. I mean... <laughs> I mean, this is the album where, oh, this is fantastic comes yes. from. I mean, how much better do you want to get than that? This is fantastic. <laughs> oh, it's just terrific. <laughs> yes, so many wonderful, wonderful things. I mean, and you can just sit there and you can run down a laundry list of, you know, great sketches, you know, like the uh, the Lumberjack sketch. And, you know, I mean, you, just, you can go on and on and on and... You know, you'd ad nauseum. You know, we could just talk about. Let's talk about every sketch in her. Okay, the you know the silly walk sketch. You know, there's not the one thing. Of silly walk. Yes, you can just turn the page to any single skit and go. Well, that skit was you know the Wizzle chocolate sketch. You know that sketch was was you know classic. I think we'd be remiss. And you mentioned it an episode ago, an episode or two ago. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention the uh, appearance of. Michael Palin and John Cleese on Saturday Night Live when they re-performed the parrot sketch. Yes. It, something was off with that performance. It was bad directing. That's what I blame it on. It was... I blame like it on Lauren their, Michaels. Some of their timing was off, you know? Well, it's just like... Um, uh, you see it, I think, with, with, with physically or literally older performers um, where it just seems that, you know, the, the gaps and the pauses become seeming eternities. 
You know, because the whole point of comedy is that the whole point of the parrot sketch was just bang, 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 bang. Mm-hmm. You know, you hardly even get the sentence out before the other guy's already, you know, he's trying to contradict you and tell you that, ah, it's Norwegian blue, you know, beautiful plumage, eh? You know, he's trying to... Norwegian blue prefers kipping on his back. That's right. So he's trying to distract him and he's trying to do an end around, you know, Cleese won't have it. You know, he's outraged that he's purchased this dead parrot. And, but in the, in the remake, you know, when they did it on Saturday Night Live uh, 10 years ago or whatever it was, they... Look at each other, and they finish their line, and then they pause. Yeah. And the other guy thinks about it a minute, and he picks up his line, and he reads it. And the other guy thinks about it for a minute, and then he reads his line, and it takes way too long. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened with that. I'm not sure. And and who knows? I mean, you you could say that you know maybe it has something to do with the fact that it was live, and you know they couldn't do it. But you know they did all their stuff in front of a uh, in front of a live studio audience. I mean, unless it's on location. Uh, but yeah, you know, they've done plenty of live stuff before. You know that that's not and that's not a, a reason why that might have gone you know somewhat poorly. I just kind of wonder if it's just you know the maybe they couldn't hear very well. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that was it. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. what they need. They need a vocational guidance counselor. And it could set them back on the right path towards being funny. Maybe so. Maybe that's so. right. Occasional guidance counselor. My brain hurts. That's right. I think those guys are called the gummies or the gummy guys. The gummos. I don't know. The gummos. Is that what they were called? I think it's the gummos. I think I'm, I not, I'm not looking at reference material here, so I may be wrong. I might actually have that on my iTunes. I never got, see. I never understood the the napkin on the head at all. I just I, I assumed the British got it. You and know what? I knew it was funny. Okay, I I've seen like like older movies. And, yes. and you know how. How we put our bandanas on here, like if we're working, we right. have a cap we'll put on and just right. They do this thing where it's they tie the corners, they tie all four corners, they, yeah, they tie all four <laughs> corners and then they put. And I've seen that tons of times where they're just working in the yard, and it's just their way of doing things. <laughs> but it looks so silly. Oh man! So should we? Uh... Should we start? Uh, should we start to finish this uh, episode with uh, comes live tonight. testing this. your Python quotient? Oh, let's do it! Job, Excellent. Job, Here it is. Listen. Meanwhile, in St. Pete. That's Brad's ringtone, by the way, for uh, for anybody who doesn't know that my out there. When when Brad calls up, my phone goes. My brain hurts too. What's the Python quotient? Uh, there's only 92 questions. Uh, where would you like to start? Mm, um, somewhere in the okay. middle. All right. Question one. Fail. How did Mrs. G. Pennant have to sign for a new gas cooker? Uh, with her index finger at a 90-degree angle. No. Nope. Wrong answer. Since the invoice is made out to Mrs. G. Crump, she was requested to sign it Mrs. Crump Pennant. Okay. Most people don't know that. No, that's important. Okay. Give us another uh, one, please. Question two. Why does the Minister of Silly Walks arrive at his office late? Because his leg was at a 90-degree angle and could not fit within the hallway. That was a nice try, but brutally incorrect. What is it? Uh, my walk has become rather sillier recently. <laughs> <laughs> Give me one I might know the answer to. Uh, what was the Parada Brothers prison sentence? I don't know. 400 years imprisonment for crimes of violence. Okay, let me see. Uh, um, okay. All right, here's one you should be able to get. Uh, question eight. What was the name of the giant hedgehog that followed the Piranha Brothers? 
Never, I don't Bob. Know. You don't know that? No. I believe it was Dimsdale. Or no, that no. might wasn't the name of the that wasn't the name of the hedgehog. It was the the hedgehog was calling out. Oh, Dimsdale. Um, the answer to question eight: Spiny Norman played Dinsdale. So his name was Spiny Norman. I'm gonna have his to, character name was I'm Dinsdale. I'm definitely gonna have to rent those. Um, um, true or false? Goldfish are quite happy eating breadcrumbs, ants, eggs, and the occasional pheasant. <laughs> true. That's uh, true, according to the Board of Irresponsible People. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Um, this. <laughs> okay. Okay. Question 53. Why would men turn into Scotsmen? Because they <laughs> became thrifty. The answer is only because they have no control over their own destinies. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of my favorite <sighs> skits, and I don't know where it originated, but I heard it on. Uh, it might have been this might have been the contractual obligation album where I first heard it. Uh, is this skit right here? Um, excuse me, is this the Undertaker's? Yep, that's right. What can I do for you, Squire? Um, well, I, I wonder if you can help me. Uh, my mother has just died, and I'm not quite sure what I should do. Oh well, we can help you. Oh, we deal with stiffs. Yes. Yeah. Now there's three things we can do with your mum. We can bury her, burn her, or dump her. Dump her? Dump her in the Thames. <laughs> oh. Did you like her? Yes. Oh, well, we won't dump her then. <laughs> well, what do you think? A burner or a barrier? Uh, well, um, which would you recommend? Well, they're both <laughs> nasty. If we burn her, she gets stuffed in the flames, crackle, 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 which is a bit of a shock if she's not quite dead, but quick. And then you get a box of ashes which you can pretend are hers. Or, if you don't want to fry her, you can bury her, and then she'll get eaten up by maggots and weevils, nibble, 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 which isn't so hot if, as I said, she's not quite dead. They like the night quite quite dead. I'm very sure she's definitely... I won't play the rest. I mean, not that I couldn't, but yes, it's just. I remember thinking, what what is off limits to these guys? And apparently, the answer is nothing. Well, I mean, death and uh, you know, historically, you don't want to make jokes about it, but they had fun with it. Yeah, you know, religion, obviously. Um, but while while they, I I think what what they're good at is. Hold on, I got my thought. It's it's explaining things that that don't really need explaining, but go into detail. I mean, just like that one skit we just heard yeah. about, you know, about how a body is burned, and they go into the crackle, 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 yeah. and stuff, giving you detail that you already know. But when someone is explaining it to you, yes. it's funny. Will that be the uh, that be the Cleese uh, Chapman um, branch of the uh, the writing department? As we all know, and we, I think we've talked about this before, but uh, Cleese and uh, Chapman were known for what they called their uh, their thesaurus sketches. Yes. Where they basically mm-hmm. pull out like the cheese shop sketch, perfect example, where you know, the whole point of the sketch is listing every single variety of cheese that they can get their hands on. <laughs> that, Whereas, is, that is a very, yeah. that is a wonderful sketch. And then Pace, uh, Palin and Idol would, uh, would work in a, a vastly different manner. Good morning. Morning, sir. Welcome to the National Cheese Emporium. Oh, <laughs> the National man. Cheese Emporium. Well, I was uh, sitting in the public library in Thurman Street just now, skimming through rogue. I was. Uh, that's a good. I was at uh, the new uh, the the new sunflower uh, farmers market uh-huh. up there, looking at uh, <laughs> looking at cheeses uh, just a few days ago. 
thinking that this shop was certainly contaminated by cheese. The, you said something good. about thesaurus? Yes. He, he goes through three or four different words for hungry before he actually says the word hungry in the really? sketch. So it's, it's I'm feeling a bit peckish? Yeah. Come again. Assyrian. <laughs> I want to buy some cheese. Oh, I thought you were complaining about the bazooki player. Oh, heaven <laughs> forbid I'm one of manifestations. <laughs> and how manifestations. And how many <laughs> versions of this? So he can go on playing, can he? Most certainly. I could just go on with that. God, you could go on and on and on with that. I mean, there's... there's Monty Python, you know, put every sketch on a piece of paper on a wall, throw a dart at it. There's not one you'd hit where you go, eh, Why don't girls maybe like the it? next one. I think girls don't. Inherently, my experience is most girls do not like silly. Just what it comes down to. I know very few girls that like Airplane, that like the Naked Gun series. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what that is. They, they just don't care for silly. I think generally girls would That's use the sad. word stupid. Yeah. In referring to this Monty Python yes. stuff as opposed to silly. It's stupid. I don't yeah, get it. But, They're too but busy Monty worried Python. about careers and babies and lives and stuff. But um, Monty Python is, they are silly. They're absurd. I mean, girls will call it stupid, but it's silly. Patently absurd. Neat. That wasn't Yay. supposed to be there. It was a nice little, uh, it was a little double clutch there. I like that. Yeah. And there was much rejoicing. That's the whole point. I mean, Monty Python. There, every single line of Monty Python ever you could use as a catchphrase, and people have done that at many points in our great nation's history. And I mean, there have been times when you know when we used to work in the same building when you and I would see each other and just say a Monty Python line. Or a Steve Martin line, but that's you know, all it a takes. Monty Python line, and and you knew exactly what I meant, and you know I know exactly <laughs> what you were trying to tell me, you know. So how is it that you can use random Monty Python lines and still get the uh, you know the content of your thoughts across to someone? Like I remember one day I came up to your desk and you go, <laughs> "What can I do for you, Squaw?" <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny, and I think I, I think wish you, to complain. you either get it or you don't. Yeah. Are you well, looking for something specific over there, Frank? No. All right. Why don't we? Um, so, in closing, I feel sorry for people who don't get Monty Python because there's definitely something to get. Okay. I do too. Don't don't come up to me complaining about telling me there's no oh, point in Monty Python. When, in fact, the point of Monty Python is that there is no point, and you can go on and on Thank about you. any sketch in particular, think... and it doesn't even have to have a point, and it doesn't have an ending or a conclusion or a denouement. It just keeps going on and on and on, and then whammo, at the last second, it takes a complete left turn. It goes 90 degrees and, and goes places you don't expect. It could be animation. It could be Eric Idle. You don't know. It just keeps going, and maybe Eric Idle is sitting there telling the the person, the travel accountant, about how you know boring the trip was, and how hard it is to get good plane tickets these days, and how there's no more good quality food, and you know everything is made out of pork, and you know that that doesn't work well with the people of the Hasidic persuasion, and Middle Easterners aren't very on board with it either, and you just you know keep going on and on about nothing in particular until your head explodes. That was nice. I thought about trying to keep that up for another five minutes. Well, here we go. <laughs> We're gonna futile. have to gonna have to play part of it here since you did it now where were you think you're going 
India. Ah, one of our adventure holidays. Yes. Well, you better see Mr. Bounder about that. Um, Mr. Bounder, this I gentleman this. is interested in the India Overland. Morning, and I'm Bounder of Adventure. Hello. I no, smoke too much. Well, well in the show, she is. I'd like to see I'm you sorry. about an Indian adventure. Cut and nothing bit. else. Oh, I see. Smoke too much, so I'd better cut down a little then. Yes. <laughs> I said you get people making jokes about your name all the time, eh? No, I've never noticed it before. Yeah, that's my favourite <laughs> line. Let me skip in. Yes, I oh, yeah. Yes, khaki, kind, kettle, kipling, kipper, fellow with a K. Yes. Anyway, about the holiday. Well, yes, I've been on package tours many times, and so your advert really bought my eye. Ah, good. Yes, you're quite right. I'm fed up with being treated like a sheep. I mean, what's the point of going abroad if you're just another <laughs> tourist carted round in buses surrounded by sweaty, mindless oaths from Ketchard and Boventry and their cloth caps and their cardigans with their transistor radios and their Sunday mirrors complaining about the tea? Oh, they don't make it properly here, do they? <laughs> Not like at home. And stopping at Majorca and Bodegas selling fish and chips and Watney's Red Barrel and Calamaris and Two Veg and... Yes. Sitting in their cotton sun frock, squirting Timothy White sun cream all over their puffy, raw, swollen, purulent flesh because they overdid it on the first day. <laughs> and being herded into endless hotel Miramars and Bellevue's, <laughs> bonted so in tiles with their modern international luxury roomettes mm -hmm. and yeah. draft yeah. red barrel and swimming pools full of fat German businessmen <laughs> pretending they're acrobats, forming pyramids and frightening the children and barging in the queues. And if you're not at your table spot on seven, you miss the bowl of Campbell's cream and mushroom soup, the first item on the menu of international cuisine and every Thursday night the hotel is a bloody cabaret in the bar featuring a tiny emaciated dago with nine inch hips and some bloated fat tart with her hair brill cream down and a big ass presenting flamenco for foreigners and an idle typist from Birmingham with flabby white legs and diarrhoea trying to pick up hairy bandy leg what weight as for Manuel and once a week there's an excursion to the local Roman ruins to buy cherry aid and melted ice cream and bleeding what in his red barrel and one evening you visit the so-called typical restaurant with local colour and atmosphere and you sit next to a party of people from Rilu who keep singing Tarei Malinos, Tarei Malinos and complaining about the food it's so greasy here isn't it and you get cornered by some drunken greengrocer from Luton with an Instamatic and Dr Skull sandals and Tuesday's Daily Express and he drones on and on and on about how Mr Smith shall be running this country and how many languages Enoch Powell can speak and then he throws up all over the Cuba Libras and sending tinted postcards of places they don't realise they haven't visited to all at number 22. Weather wonderful, our room is marked with the next food, very greasy, but we found a charming Back little local place hidden away in the back streets where they serve Watney's Red Barrel and Cheese and Onion Crisp and the important place, place it maybe it's because Back I'm in London. <laughs> Shut up! Shut up. Shut up. Is the dog talking? Yeah. <laughs> Was he, was, he Hello? was he hungry or what? <laughs> the dog's PO'd. What's going on? Well, it's a she, for one thing. And, uh, yes, yeah, so apparently, girl, apparently she's mean. not happy with the way things have uh, proceeded this morning. I haven't gone for a proper walk. She probably needs out. The, uh, when you were going on and on like that before I played that, that was very good. <laughs> very good. Very uh, skilled. Mm, very amateurish. Very okay, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up? Yeah. Yeah. Half our waste wow. is brought to you by... I'm spent. DCBS. Yes, oh, Discount yeah, Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. Go, uh, go find that John Cleese comic book on DCBS, people. Oh, I found it. It's, yeah, it's 29 bucks. Or at their, their sister How service in stock trades. Mm, I didn't see that. Okay. That, uh, I'm, I'm 
want to read interested. that. I want to read that. I've, I've seen to. it before. I, I know the LC, uh, the local comic book store has it here. I've seen it. Really? I picked. I've held it in my hand. Just really. I've gotten around to getting. I'm it. definitely. Well, as soon as we're off air, I'll have to quiz you about it. It's not in continuity. I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> just another fanboy. Uh. <laughs> yeah, visit, visit Stephen at justanotherfanboy.com. Uh, call us at 972-798-3830. We dare you. Leave us a voicemail. You can contact us via email at... But call us quickly because the episode's almost up. Brad at halfhourwasted.com or Frank at or Bill at. Listen to the Legion of Dudes. Every Thursday. They do it on Thursdays and they do it right. And you never know. Someday uh, you may listen to Legion of Dudes. You may hear one of us on it, too. So, uh, you know, I think we should get it around in there. Yeah, we're uh, we're planning on cross-pollinating. So, uh, you yeah. know. Have yeah. you been on? Hmm? No, I haven't. Yeah. Yet. You've been talking with Johnny M., haven't you? Oh, I've been talking with Johnny M. I know what episode yeah. you're going to be on, but I'm not going to say. I'm not sure which I'll one. I'll never gonna, tell. I don't even know which one I'm going to be on yeah, yet. Yeah, you do. Is it? Do I? Do I, it, Brad? Yeah. Is it do. the one about Dr. B.? <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, since this episode's over, we're all going out for more Dr. K's. Except me. I'm two months soda free, baby. Wow, how do you do that? See, I'm I packing on craving anymore. Baby, I'm packing on the pounds. I don't crave it I'm, anymore. I'm packing them in. I'm I'm losing weight a little bit here and there. I'm like the, the mammal I'm like the mammalian Texan version of a polar bear. <laughs> <laughs> but you're a uh-huh. Oh, a regular bear? Well, you know that you know that polar bears can can lose up to half their weight while nursing. Really? So that's what I'm trying to avoid. Okay. Yeah. So have you been nursing? No, but because um, I think I see some lactation. Maybe you yeah. should start. Oh, ew! That's sweat. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank right. goodness. Ew! I think I we crossed the line right I'm there. I'm sorry. Right. I've been taping over the those, lactation. hoping no one will notice. All right. Thank you, Limp Biscuit. <laughs> <laughs>